Hi, Monica Lopez here. Before we get started, I'd like to ask you to consider supporting independent media and making contact by becoming a donor. We know we're not the only podcast you listen to, but we certainly do hope we're among the group that's worth giving to. And your donation is tax deductible. So visit our website at radioproject.org and click on the red donate button. Thank you. And now here's the show. I'm Monica Lopez, and this is Making Contact. This week, the cost of deportations through the lens of one Central American nation that sends migrants north, Guatemala. About two million Guatemalans live in the U.S. According to the U.N., that's more than 10% of Guatemala's population. But half of those here lack legal status, and tens of thousands of Guatemalans are being deported back to their country each year. The question arises, are the countries these refugees left prepared for an influx of returnees? On this edition of Making Contact, independent journalist Maria Martin explores that and other questions, including whether some Guatemalans are still planning to migrate north, even given the hardening of immigration policy in the United States. Here's her report. Outside a white stucco building operated by the Guatemalan Air Force in Guatemala City, some people wait for what they call el vuelo de los deportados, the flight of the deportees. Each plane will bring from 75 to 130 handcuffed Guatemalans back to their home country. By the beginning of 2018, the number of these flights had been increasing to up to three daily, says Carlos Lopez, administrator of the Guatemala City-based migrant aid organization Casa del Migrante. Guatemalan government statistics confirm the increase in the number of Guatemalans deported via air from the United States. There's been a 64% surge in the last two years when one compares deportations in the first three months of 2018 to the same period two years ago. When they land, the dazed return Guatemalans are ushered into a waiting area where they find a sandwich and a bottle of water. A government employee offers a few words of welcome and directs them to windows where their data will be recorded. The deportees then exit double glass doors and find themselves once again breathing polluted Guatemala City air. They'll try to rebuild their lives, but for many, this won't be easy. Mi nombre es Martín Eugenio Velázquez. Este, la función que hacemos aquí es pues apoyar a nuestros paisanos retornados. Martín Velázquez is a volunteer with the Association of Returned Migrants, formed by people like himself to offer support to deportees. He himself was deported two years ago, after 15 years in the States. The 40-year-old still hasn't been able to find a job. Es duro porque a mi edad no se encuentra trabajo. It's hard, because at my age, one can't find a job. Then they also want you to have a degree, something you didn't need to work in the States. Guatemala has a high rate of unemployment and underemployment. Only three out of 10 Guatemalans have a formal job. 
the unemployment rate is particularly high among Guatemalan youth. People under 20 make up half of the country's population. Experts estimate that 140,000 young people enter the labor market every year. But out of every 10, only two will find work in the formal sector. That's what drove deportee Juan Sebastián Tuil Mejía to leave his country at age 14. A lot of us go to United States because of the fact that there is hard to have to find a job here. Even if you you know went to school and you graduated and everything, it's it's, it's very hard to find a job. So that's the reason why we decided to go to uh, to the states and, and try to uh, leave the the dream life, you know, to have you know complete our dreams. After 30 years in the Los Angeles area, he was deported a year ago. His wife and six children, ages 32 to 7, are U.S. citizens back in California. It's not only hard for us, but it's hard for them. And then, and they, you know, they're citizen. You know, they, they're born there. So they have all the right to have their parents with them to have a happy life. Mejia has a unique perspective on the harder line immigration policy that results in an increased number of deportations. When they send everybody back, they send them back to be at the same situation where they started. And of course, you know, a lot of people are going to try to go back again. And some of us, because financially we're not doing okay, so we'll stay here, but there's nothing for us here. In October of 2009, the Guatemalan government approved funding for a new agency to assist the growing number of returning Guatemalans. The Consejo Nacional de Atención al Migrante in Guatemala, the National Council on Immigration, or CONAMIGUA, as it's known in Guatemala, has a mission to protect, support, and provide help and assistance to Guatemalan migrants and their families. But until recently, Conamigua had been without a director for two years, weakening the agency's effectiveness and leaving return migrants with little support. No hay alguna institución gubernamental que esté brindando ese acompañamiento there is no government entity to support people who are returned. Para atender a las personas que retornan. Anthropologist Lisbeth Gamajo of the Rafael Landívar University studies the reintegration process for returned migrants. Her research shows the government's principal role in assisting deported Guatemalans is to provide the reception service at the airport. After that, she says, there's no follow-through to help migrants. Lo que hemos observado principalmente es que las personas que regresan deportadas al país regresan muy afectadas. What we've observed is that those who are deported come back very affected. First, because they weren't expecting to be deported. Then, they talk about the way they're treated at the detention centers, like criminals, when they think they've done nothing wrong except enter the country in an irregular manner. 
más que intentar ingresar a Estados Unidos de forma irregular. Las personas vienen afectadas psicológicamente. When they return to their community, they become very depressed because they weren't able to fulfill their dream of getting to the U.S. Or for those who've been there, their lives have been disrupted. So yes, the mental health of the deportees is affected, and we see that in their families also. Entonces sí se ve un estado de salud mental afectado en todas las personas deportadas y también se observa en las familias. Muchas familias Gramajo and other analysts agree that migrant assistance and reintegration in Guatemala has become mired in politics. As a result, they say, migrants suffer. We're in La Casa del Migrante in downtown Guatemala City. Along with the Association of Returned Guatemalans, this is one of the few organizations trying to help the increasing number of Guatemalans deported back to their country. Soy Padre Mauro Verzeletti, misionero de San Carlos Escalabrinianos y director de la Casa del Migrante en Guatemala y El Salvador. Catholic priest Mario Verzeletti is Casa del Migrante's director. This is a place that receives people in transit, deportees, people in search of refuge or asylum. In more than two decades heading Casa Migrante, Verseletti says he's witnessed an absence of realistic government policies to deal with migration. We have to sadly say that corruption has taken over our governments. They've been co-opted by narco-traffickers and organized crime, or by people who can't even stand to look at migrants, as in the case of Donald Trump. Verseletti says there's a lot of money being made trafficking people in need. He believes organized crime benefits from migration, and not only in Central America, but also in the United States. Claro, los grupos criminales de Estados Unidos y de Centroamérica, para ellos no existe fronteras. Clearly, criminal groups in the U.S. and Central America don't recognize borders. They know how to get in and out. They don't need visas or passports, nor migratory controls. They have free reign. El campo libre, ¿no? ¿Por qué? Porque realmente también ahí en Estados Unidos ya and why? Because in the United States it's getting to where there are also high levels of corruption. These days, corruption is transnational. And until the situation changes drastically in Central America, this advocate says tens of thousands of young people will continue to migrate north. 95% intenta regresar otra vez Estados Unidos. In fact, he says, records kept by Casa Migrante indicate that 95% of the deportees say they'll attempt to get to the U.S. again. Solamente con el desarrollo se evite la migración forzada. On a recent morning in Casa del Migrante's dining room, three young Guatemalan men fresh off that morning's deportees' flight, continued for a meal and a night's rest 
until they could continue on their way. They take time to tell me their stories. Es una historia larga. De mi, mi opa le, le mataron, ¿verdad? 23-year-old Iser Hernando of the province of Izabal told us he had fled his community and tried to enter the United States after his father was killed in a machete attack due to religious differences with other townspeople. Because we are Catholics and they are evangelical Christians. When we spoke with him, Iser wasn't sure where he'd be going next as he feared for his life returning home. Violence for religious reasons is widespread in Central America, as is drug-related, political, gender, and generalized aggression. A recent report by Refugees International cites a lack of protection for returning Central Americans at, quote, every stage, from the processing of an asylum application to deportation and reintegration into the country of origin that ultimately puts lives at risk. I feel sad at not having made it over to the U.S. because I have so many debts already. In a country where over 60% of the population lives below the poverty line, Perhaps the largest number of Guatemalans, like 22-year-old Rodolfo Antonio Arias, migrate for economic reasons. Arias' story is not at all unusual among returned Guatemalans. He'd borrowed 80,000 quetzales, almost $11,000, great north, after his family's agricultural fields dried up in the drought attributed to climate change, now affecting large portions of Central America. His father had optimistically taken out another loan to expand the family's planting fields, but the harvest dried up. Now, Arias finds himself deported and in double debt. The only avenue he sees to get out of his and his family's financial crisis is to try to migrate again. I don't know what to do now, except to give all my all to pay my debts and not give up until I do it. Algo interesante es que ellos sueñan con ir por un periodo de tiempo establecido. Anthropologist Gramajo says her research shows that most deported Guatemalans say they only want to go to the United States temporarily. Ellos no sueñan con quedarse en Estados Unidos. Ellos hablan de ir trabajar tal vez unos cinco, siete, diez años. They don't dream of staying in the United States. They talk of going maybe for five, seven, or ten years, enough time for them to work, send money home, and maybe buy a plot of land, build a house, buy a car. So when they return, they'll have a life with dignity that this country doesn't offer them. Que el país no les ofrece. Guatemala's economy, like that of other Central American countries, now depends greatly on the remittances sent home by migrants. Last year alone, Guatemalans working in the States sent home $8 billion. Perhaps nowhere is the economic impact felt more 
within and rural indigenous communities of the Western Highlands of Guatemala. The Canjobal Maya community of San Pedro Soloma in northern Guatemala is one of these places. Here, indigenous textiles hang side by side on clotheslines with t-shirts bearing logos of American football teams. When we visited 78-year-old Don Julio Hernandez, he told us much has changed in the last three decades in San Pedro, but that his Mayan community has always had to migrate for many reasons. We were very poor, without the right to study. We lived under pressure, exploited. Don Julio says the people of his community would migrate to avoid being recruited into the army during the almost four decades of civil war. That's why my father would take us to the coast, to the plantations, to work the coffee and be slaves of the powerful. It's been documented that the victims of the civil war, which ended 20 years ago, were largely indigenous Maya. To flee the violence sparked by the U.S.-led overthrow of democratically elected President Jacobo Arbenz in 1954, many went to Mexico and then to the United States, and thus began a tradition of migrating north. Now, some say almost half of San Pedro's population has at some point lived in the U.S. Perhaps the most dramatic change in these Mayan communities in the last decade can be seen in new construction. It's everywhere, says business owner Don Sebastián Gaspar. Si nos vamos en todas las comunidades, siempre hay una casa construida ya de bloc. In the communities, now there are cement block homes. In the time of our grandfathers, it would be straw roofs. Now you can see houses with terraces and two or three stories. The community has changed in other ways, says 50-year-old Don Gaspar. Antes sí existía la pobreza. Before there was poverty, now you don't see people barefoot. Now, they at least wear leather shoes. It's a busy Sunday in San Pedro's market, and in San Pedro's largest store, La Miscelánea del Centro. Its owner, Maya businessman, Don Sebastián Gaspar. Thirty years ago, he was a simple fruit vendor. Now he owns a hotel, gas and radio stations, and this department store, where thousands of residents come not only to shop, but to collect their remittances sent by family in the United States. Estamos hablando 20 millones de quetzales al mes. Don Gaspar says these remittances average some $3 million a month. That's a lot for a once marginalized and forgotten Mayan community. Es bastante. Es bastante. Not so long ago, there were no banks in San Pedro. Today, all the major banks are here, 
along with two credit unions and five remittance exchange houses. Freddy López works in the San Pedro Credit Cooperative. La verdad sí, hemos visto un gran cambio, verdad? Porque anteriormente eh, no recibíamos este tipo de, de cantidad de remesas eh, diarios. There's been a big change in the amount of remittances being sent. Before Trump became president, people saved their money over there, sending just what their family needed to consume. Now people are sending their savings as well. López describes a phenomenon being witnessed throughout Central America. With the tightening of U.S. immigration policy, people are sending more money home. Mi forma de pensar es de que la gente se está preparando. I think people are getting ready for deportations to increase even more, sending their money for when they return. They won't suffer as much economically. The brothers and sisters in the United States, as those in Soloma call their migrants, have also helped to renovate an impressive Catholic church, the pride of Soloma. In short, remittances, the dollars sent home by townspeople from the United States, are the economic engine driving San Pedro Soloma and so many other rural and indigenous communities in Guatemala and throughout Central America. But what would happen if, as deportations go up, remittances were to dry up in reality, people would die of hunger. There's not much work here. It would be total chaos. And not just in Soloma, but generally all over. Father Dionisio, pastor of San Pedro's Catholic Church and others in the village, say these Mayan communities have always had to seek a living elsewhere. But ironically, he says, it seems that Trump's immigration policy instead of decreasing migration, may contribute to social and economic conditions that may spur it even more. It's like trying to cover up the headwaters of a stream. If you do it, everything dries up, and the result will be more poverty and increased social conflict. En las familias, comunidades, en los pueblos, con las autoridades, sí. Se está manejando el lema aquí y allá, porque precisamente como migrantes... Aquí y allá somos comunidad. Here and there we are community, say the MC and the red, white and blue banners hanging from the ceiling in this cavernous building in Guatemala's second-largest city, Quetzaltenango. We are here for the first-ever Cumbre de Migrantes y Retornados, a gathering of deported and returned migrants. About 2,000 people, all ages and ethnicities, listen intently as immigrant rights activists from Guatemala and Guatemalans living in the U.S. speak of their dreams for what could be achieved if there were greater and more strategic collaboration among transnational communities. Marvin Otskoy came representing the Guatemalan fraternity of Northern Nevada. I have a dream, like Martin Luther King said. Mi sueño es que hayan condiciones en Guatemala. 
His dream, says Hotskoy, is that in the future, conditions in Guatemala will change and people won't have to leave to find a better life. That by working together to create opportunities, there will be work and economic prospects to prevent the need for going north. To make the dream a reality, Return migrants spoke about efforts to create sustainable economic projects, ventures to help small farmers and businesses in Guatemala, as well as to give young people opportunities in their home country, so they won't feel, as many now do, that migration is their only chance for a decent life. A few blocks away, is an example of one such project. Café Red Cat may look like one more café in Quetzaltenango's historic center, but it's actually an experiment in economic sustainability and migrant self-help. 36-year-old Willy Barreno is a returned migrant and one of Café Red's founders. These chairs, these tables have been made by migrants who work in construction in the U.S., right? This is not made in China. This was made in El Palmar, Guatemala. This was made in Cajola. You know, everything that we have here, it's been made in Guatemala. So for that reason, you know, we are promoting made in Guatemala. I was made in Guatemala too. <laughs> made in Guatemala also holds true, he says, for the food served at Cafe Red Cat. We don't sell French fries here, we sell plantain chips because that's what a lady that is 82 years old is producing at her home. So we are putting the plantain chips into a local hamburger and then can say, you know, we also have the right to have a hamburger, we also have the right to have a pizza, we also have a right to have a taco, but it has to be made with products that are here because if we are consuming what is ours, we'll be preventing from people to migrate to other countries. Most of the workers at the cafe are returned migrants and Barreno, who worked as a chef in Santa Fe and at Whole Foods for many years, has started a chef training program for youth. I see the benefit of people that are returning from the U.S. because we have, uh, might not have a lot of money, but we have, you know, intellectual capital. And then for that reason, we can also come and develop the country. I live in the States for 14 years and I'm not against the U.S. And then we also have, we can have the right to dream. We also have the right to have a decent life. And for that reason, we put that quote here on the wall that is called the right to dream, you know. that. And that dream, says Pareno, should be a Guatemalan dream and not only an American dream, which until now has been the only option for many Central Americans seeking a decent life. There is a sad postscript to this story. 20-year-old Claudia Patricia Gomez left her indigenous community in the western highlands of Guatemala early on the morning of May 7th. Less than three weeks later, on May 23rd, she was killed by a border patrol agent while trying to cross into Texas. The events were captured by a neighbor in the border community of Rio Bravo, where Claudia and three other immigrants were trying to cross. Like so many other bright young people, Claudia could not find work in her home country, even given the accounting degree she had obtained two years ago, 
So she came north to help her family and to save money to continue her education, only to be met by a bullet in the head. Come on, guys. You handle it, la mataron. Claudia's death was mourned in her indigenous Maya community of San Juan Ostuncalco, Quetzaltenango, and has resulted in international outrage. And so, Claudia Patricia Gomez has become a symbol of how conditions in Guatemala and other places force many to migrate, even given the terrible risks. For Making Contact, I'm Maria Martin in Antigua, Guatemala. You've been listening to The Cost of Deportations on Making Contact. This program was written and produced by Maria Martin. Funding was provided by FIJ, the Fund for Investigative Journalism. Production assistants Lisa Redman and Anita Johnson. Voiceovers Miguel Estrada, Claude Marx, Jesus Hermosillo, Joel Ulloa, Max Farron, Glenn Ontiveros, Ruxandra Guidi, Jonathan Lawson, and Chris Stelic. The Making Contact team is Lisa Rudman, Anita Johnson, Monica Lopez, Salima Hamarani, Sabine Blazin, and Vera Tykulsker. I'm Monica Lopez. Thanks for listening to Making Contact. Thank you.